This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by lynda.com, who with over 2,000 high-quality and engaging videos, provides you a wide breadth of courses from beginner to advanced. lynda.com is there to help you learn creative, software, and business skills to achieve your personal and professional goals. To take advantage of their free seven-day trial, visit lynda.com forward slash the candid frame that's l-y-n-d-a forward slash the candid frame you can now download the latest episode of the candid frame directly to your smartphone or tablet using the candid frame app available for apple ios android and windows 8 you can automatically receive and listen to the latest episode minutes after it's released. Mark and download your favorites or send your comments and suggestions directly to me via the app. Download it today using your favorite app store or click on the links in the show notes found at the Candid Frame website. This is Ebody and X and welcome to the Candid Frame. I'm really excited to announce the release of my latest book, Portraits of Strangers. It's my fifth book and my first ebook, and in it, I share my personal approach to photographing strangers. Approaching people you don't know to make their photograph can be a scary and an intimidating thing for many photographers. And so I wrote this book to help you to get past your fear and make great photographs of strangers. In the book, I talk about my own fear and anxiety and what I do to get past it. I also share information on the right camera and lens choice, awareness of light and your background, and the whole issue of whether or not you need to obtain a model release. The book is regularly just $8, but as listeners of the show, I can provide you a discount not only for this book, but any for any of the other titles that I've written, including Chasing the Light, Improving Your Photography Using Available Light. To take advantage of this 35% discount, simply click on the link in the show notes to place an order and use the promo code PERELLO. That's P-E-R-E-L-L-O. The discount code is good for a discount on all my books, ebooks, and DVDs that I've published through PeachBit Press. I'm a great fan of films about photography and photographers. I, I watch them all, both good and bad. But when I saw the trailer for the documentary Everybody Street, I couldn't wait to see it. The moment it was available for purchase via Vimeo, I purchased it and I was not disappointed. Everybody Street is a documentary on New York street photography by today's guest, Cheryl Dunn. A street photographer as well as a filmmaker, Cheryl does a wonderful job in exploring the world of New York street photography through interviews with some of the city's best photographers, including Bruce Davidson, Mary Ellen Mark, Boogie, Bruce Gilden, and Jeff Mermelstein. It's available for rent or purchase via Vimeo, but I highly recommend that you purchase a digital copy because it's a film that you are going to watch more than once. I sat down with Cheryl to talk about the project and how it came about and the challenges she faced in producing it. The story behind the film is as interesting as the film itself. So enjoy our conversation with Cheryl Dunn. Hello, 
Well, Cheryl, welcome to The Candid Frame. I'm so pleased, excited, and honored to have the chance to, to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I have to tell you, when I first saw the trailer, I think about a year, a year and a half ago, I couldn't wait for the film to come out. I was just so excited when I saw who you were going to include in the in the film. Um, I, I couldn't wait. And the moment it was available for purchase on Vimeo, I I, I purchased it. Oh, thank and you. And I was not disappointed. It's such a, a great film. And I'm so pleased that, uh, that that you made it. So from one photographer to another, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 pretty inf- inspirational, you know, to a lot of people that are that are shooters, and it, it, I, the, a lot of the feedback I've gotten is, I just I just want to run out in the street and shoot, you know, and and uh, so if I could if I could uh, give someone inspiration, that's uh, really a beautiful thing, in my opinion, to be able to give someone. You know, I'm the, I'm I'm a conduit because it's coming from. These photographers that have inspired my, me my whole life, and then I'm combining it in a, in a, you know, in a film which is, you know, it's uh, it's far reaching. It can really reach a lot of people. The medium of film, you know, I don't know that, um, you know, particularly when I get feedback from people in um, faraway countries and saying, "Please come here and show us your film because we don't get to see things like this." And and I think about that like. Well, you know, we have the privilege to maybe own a couple of these photo books and have experienced this work before, but maybe someone in Pakistan doesn't. And so to combine all of that, all of these great artists work together in a film that can just travel the world, I think is to me, uh, definitely a worthwhile endeavor. I spent a long time doing it, but you know, the, the rewards are, are great, you know, emotionally. You know, that is a great, great point. I mean, we we take it, you know, we take it for granted that we have access to you know, the books, to the, uh, the exhibitions. Um, and to seeing things with our own eyes and recording them ourselves, you know. And when you talk about New York City, you know, definitely within the, in the last century, less so as the world becomes more and more globalized or, you know, technology is so advanced it kind of doesn't matter where you are. But in the last century, a record of the way people lived, culture, art, you know, was really ha- unfolding on the streets of New York City, you know. And so to have a real unjudgmental, non-agenda record of what human behavior was like what how people lived on the streets of New York which you could say was a reflection of mankind during that century is is really important in my opinion you know and and you you take for granted that you know one thing boogie says in the film is I'm not there to judge I, you know people ask him like well how did you get so close to these to this population these people in the projects and he's like I, you know I'm just like a cool, I'm just not judging people and they know that and you know I really thought about that you know as far as visual media you know and most of the visual media that we absorb has an agenda because it's big media you know and so street photography is really one of the few representations of a visual record that is not is non-judgmental that is not about that does not have an agenda and that's important that's really important you know i always thought about 
what makes New York City such a such a magnet for great street photography. And I think it's a, a big part of it is that so much of life in that city happens on the street. <laughs> yeah, definitely. As as opposed to other parts of the country. I'm sure a lot of cities in, in the East besides, you know, New York probably have that. But it's it's the only city that's kind of like certain European cities where there, there's a lot of life that's happening on the street. And I think that that's really a... At, at the heart of what makes it so rich photographically. Uh, as, do you think that that is part of it or do you think there's something more to it? Well, um, there's a few, there's a few reasons I think, but definitely you can, uh, you can know someone for 20 years and never go to their apartment <laughs> because it's not, it's not a thing. You know, people live in little small spots and their life is outside and you happen upon things. You, that's like, some, I call it a New York day or a New York night where you have this day or this night that just one thing leads to another, to another, to another. And you just stay really, you know, you just float from one opportunity or situation and your friends, oh my God, I'm going to this party and you go to this, you know, you just have this like, and you come home after a day like that and you're like, wow, that was a New York day or that was a New York night. And, and I just, I don't have those things anywhere but here, you know, in, in Los Angeles, I love Los Angeles. So many of all my friends moved to Los Angeles, but <laughs> there, you have to plan things. And even when you plan things, they don't happen. But in New York, when I, I know when I go out, I will see someone I know. And that person will lead me into another world or I'll meet up with someone or have an interaction with someone I don't know. And that, and they'll lead me into another world. I mean, Diane Arbus, her work, she used to follow people on the street. She'd see someone that was interesting to her and she would follow them and she would say, can I come in your apartment? And, you know, she just let the street lead her places. And also Bruce Davidson, really the closing, the closing sentence sentiment in the film is by Bruce. And he says, the street is like a nerve ending. It's not the street. It's where the street takes you. That's important. And I really believe in that philosophy about street photography, you know, because, you know, it's just sort of like, this energy. And if you're open to it, just like if you're open to spending your time and going on the street and like Martha Cooper calls it treasure hunting, which I really like that term, you know, like anything, nothing could happen. The greatest thing could happen. You know, you don't know, but you're willing to take that chance, you know? And, and another thing about the, 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 the large tradition of street photography in New York and London has had one historically as well. It's also about, uh, Max Kozlov says he calls it the volatile proximity. It's like the the concentration of citizens on top of citizens, and the way the architecture, the the way the light falls. You know, it's like if you talk about Manhattan. Manhattan is a five mile island. You know, and there it's surrounded by water and. During the last century, it was the Industrial Revolution. So you had immigrants coming in from Europe. You had skyscrapers shooting out of the ground. It was glass, steel, light refraction. So it was just all, and people constantly flowing into New York trying to, you know, to hustle up a better life, you know. And so everything was happening on the street. It's where you went to protest. It's where you went to sell stuff. It's where you went to meet people, you know. It's just, it's a combination of a, mi uh, a million things. And it's certainly unique in this country and and worldwide, you know. It's, it's kind of very unique in just all of those elements. It makes New York it's, – it's what makes New York um, characteristically different and really ripe and uh, – 
for street photography. It's such a it's such a mashup. It's it's both predictable and unpredictable at the same time. True. Yes. And it's it's just it's like diving into something and you don't know exactly what you get, but you know that uh, <laughs> if you survive it, it's going to be an experience. Yes. And I think that the art of being able to capture that in in a frame is where the real challenge is because there's no shortage of images being taken in that city. But in the hands of some of the photographers that you interviewed for, for the film, you really get to see the craftsmanship that has to that has to follow a photographer who chooses to raise his or her camera to, her, to their eye and capture this this millisecond of, of a moment in New York that says so much not only about the city but just yeah. about human interaction. And it's one of the fascinating things about the film is having a chance to hear these photographers talk about that process. Yeah, there's a couple things. Um, there's obviously many things that are that have that did not make it into the film, and I got the opportunity to um, speak in Miami at uh, the Miami Street Photography Festival, and I made clips of outtakes, and um, I called it I called the the talk words of wisdom, and I was able to utilize some of these things and. One of the things that I love uh, that Joe Meyerowitz talks to me about is that his dad, his dad was in vaudeville, right? And he would, he taught him how to anticipate action. He'd say, he'd walk with him down the street and he'd say, oh, look at that banana peel. Okay, let's just watch that, mm-hmm. watch that. Someone's going to slip on that banana peel and they stay there and they wait for it and they wait and they wait and they're like, boom, three, you know, 30 seconds later, a guy comes by and slips on the banana peel, you know? And I know Bo- Boogie uses that. And he uses that in, in the film. We put a GoPro on his camera and we went to Midtown and uh, he sees this, he saw this like black cross written on a, on a, on a, like a phone, green phone, electrical box on the, on a pole. And he just liked that image, you know, that just the cross and he waited and he waited and he waited for this woman to come like, and then she's right next to it. And then he took the picture, but he, he saw the frame. He didn't have the person in it mm-hmm. and he waited for the person because there's things that are like, that's a, That's an interesting object or, or combination of objects on the street. But if a if a crazy character walks in there, that's going to make that picture. Yeah. And I, I learned that from making the film. I learned, a, obviously, I learned a ton from making this film. But I also am reminded to implement that. Like Jill Friedman says about her, the difficulties in some of the difficult nights in doing the firemen and the police. And, you know, it was hard things to look at, difficult situations, people in a lot of pain. And then she would remind herself, I'm here to do a job, you know, like take the picture. This is why you're here. Take the picture. And I think about that sometimes when the thing about New York, you have to be ready at any moment. Something amazing is going to happen before your eyes. And not every moment you feel like taking pictures, you know, a camera. I have a Leica around my neck. So I'm, t- I have, I'm rushing from here to he- I'm from here to there. I have lots of appointments. I'm on my bicycle. I see something like, oh, do I want to stop and take Oh, that's amazing. Do I want to stop and take that picture? I don't have time. And then I'm like, wait, Jill would take this picture. Get off the bike. <laughs> Go back and get that picture. And now that's what I do. And I would say I didn't do that three years ago. You know, so there's these, these things that like really made me a better photographer actually. And just insights that I learned from, you know, I was like, if I'm going to make a film about street photography and I have to do a lot of press and people ask me about my work, like if I don't, 
if I don't do that, I'm a sucker. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I have to be, I have to, I have to walk the walk. I can't just talk about stuff. I have to, I just, the thing about filmmaking that's nerve wracking is you have to talk about something a lot before you make it and while you're making it. And that's generally not my practice. I'd like to make something and then talk about it. But, you know, that's another New York thing. Talk about what you're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so with filmmaking, because you have to build a community and it takes a long time. And, you know, I did a Kickstarter. You have to really talk about what you're going to do. So now that the film is done and I'm promoting it, I don't like to talk about the way I do things if I'm not doing them. It may, you know, I just want to be more righteous than that. <laughs> so I, I really force myself, um, you know, whatever. It's not, it's not a force, but, you know, I check myself, yeah. you know, to uh, do it the right way. You know, I read when you first picked up a camera, you sort of naturally gravitated to making pictures of the street, but that doesn't necessarily translate into being, creating street photography because there's, True. there's, certain, there's certain things about streets of photography that sort of define it. And I know it's sort of hard to quantify because there's so many different approaches, but from your perspective, how how do you define street photography? Yes, there are many definitions and there's varied schools of thought. And, um, well, I believe that you don't alter things, you know, you're not there to direct people. It's for me, it's not necessarily doesn't necessarily have to be a photograph on the street. You know, I believe that Diane Arbus, she's a portrait photographer. She was a street photographer. And I believe that you, you know, to be, I am a street photographer. I have, I am a portrait photographer. I, I, you know, I'm a photographer. I, I am a street photographer. I take other kinds of pictures. I mean, I think the one, the thing that's intrinsic with, all of the characters and photographers in my film, their styles are very diverse and their ways of, and their philosophies are really diverse. And what's, what's consistent though is their drive and their passion to continually do it. It's like, you never, like you said, you know, you, you feel, you don't feel right because you can't go to the street and shoot, you know, and I, and I'm that way too. If I'm, not able to get in a good day, I need, I need that, you know, in a consistent basis, or I kind of go a little crazy, you know? So it's really, it's sort of like an energy from, from you that you, you thrive on that, on that practice. And that if you could be doing anything all day long, that's what you would do. And it's sort of just this passion of like throwing yourself out there and being open to anything that, that might, that might happen. And, uh, you know, I guess that's, that's my definition. It's more of a, a passion and a spirit about the practice of it rather than, than the product, you know, I mean, yes, everyone's a photographer these days. Everyone shoots, in, everyone has a camera phone, everyone can shoot Instagram pictures, but also what are you saying with that? You know, and that's another thing like that is, uh, is difficult for young people to think about editing or think about, you know, I get emails from lots of people, young people like showing me their work and they'll send me, you know, 200 pictures. And I'm like, send me five, Yes. <laughs> send me three, you know, can you, it's really hard. It takes a really long time, you know, <laughs> and, and then, and then maybe, and then maybe they, they don't want to put in the time. And I think that separates, 
you know, the street photographer, you know, the committed street photographer to the person that just goes and takes street pictures sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's hard. Like people say, Oh, if I get an assignment to make a film, Oh, make it, Oh, it, I'll pay, make it uh, a minute. You know, it'll, I'll pay you less for a minute film. I'm like, no, you don't understand. A minute film is way harder to make than a five minute film. (laughs) You know, it's just like the editing process is, is, is just, it's lengthy. It's time consuming, but it's also, it makes you think about what you're saying, you know, and that is when you look at the books from these photographers, all of them have had many books. They're, they're saying a specific thing. Yeah. When someone has a 60-year career, they're, you see what they're saying, you know. And I think what's cool about street photography, it is one of the art firms, forms that having a 60-year career is celebrated, you know. Like it's, I think, you know. When I know that Rebecca Lepkoff, who's 98 years old, is in my movie, she's called me and said, oh, I had these young girls come up to me at Howard Greenberg at my show, and they saw me in your film. When, when a 20-year-old is going up to a 98-year-old woman and treating her like a rock star because she is, um, that, that makes me psyched. Oh, that's you know? awesome. <laughs> You know, one of the, one of the things that, that, that struck me about the film was that um, I was familiar with most of the photographers that you, you interviewed, and, and I've had, thankfully, an opportunity to interview a couple uh, myself. But looking at all of these, the one thing that struck me is, God, these all these people are real characters. <laughs> and, and I thought it was great. That's great fodder for a filmmaker. But I started wondering, you know, how much is – having sort of a force of personality play a role in in these people being able to create their work especially a body of work over over time did you have any give any thought to that as you you know as you were putting the film together yeah i mean i i specifically i really learned so much about the character the crazy characters they were you know i knew some of them personally but most of them no I was acquainted with almost all of their work and learned a couple, learned about a few in the process. But, you know, what I think is their, their characters and the, and the things they choose to photograph are really connected, you know, and also because street photography, like some people ask, ask, uh, their subjects, some people, obviously don't. But even if you don't ask somebody, you probably can pop off a few pictures and maybe they know and maybe they're mad at you. There's you, there's definitely an interaction, whether they want it or not. So, you know, there is a tactic and there's a there's like, you know, what's your line? Maybe you ha- you're on the street. You're like people are running by each other. You're like if you're if you're going to have like a an approach, you need a, a, like a line that's going to work, you know. So these you know, so based on I can ask I look like how I look. I have to, I use the approach that works best for me, which is going to be different than Bruce Gilden, which is going to be different than Ricky Powell. You know, you have to, what that, what your personality and your character is, has so much to do with your response from someone and your perception from someone and what that person is going to give to you or that, you know, just that reflection that eventually lands on your film is a lot to do with, with, these characters. And so it's really, it's really cool to see the work, you know, kind of back to back when I, when I, we did, we have done 
with some of the screenings we've done, um, like an after party with a slideshow and I'll put all the stills that are in the film, I'll just shuffle them like a deck of cards. So they'll be playing like back to back and see, it's like looking at the character looking at the photographers themselves. You just see them next to each other and you just get the sense of these, their personalities. And it's, it's, it's really, it's pretty amazing. You know, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a mirror, you know, like Meyerowitz says, you know, even though, it's a machine. And even though it takes a fraction, fraction of a second, something happens, some personal thing happens. And it's the way that we learn to read our culture. So I could stand next to Joel Meyerowitz on 57th Street and take a picture of the same exact thing. And what the picture he's going to get and the picture I'm going to get is going to be different. And that's, you know, what is that about? You know, it's magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's one of the most fascinating things about about street photography is is the fact that someone can make something so personal from such a public space. Yeah. You know and, and and it's just remarkable that that this person can express something of themselves in an environment surrounded by people that they have really no control over besides what they can include or exclude from the frame. Right. So that's the thing about New York. So you're looking at a scene there's 50 million things happening before your eyes. You're going to choose up one little piece of that. You're going to choose a part of that and you're going to, and you're going to say something with that piece of that scene. You're going to pull it out, you know, and someone else is going to pull something else out, you know? So it's, you know, you're, you're deciding what to acknowledge, what to document and what to, what to share with someone else. And, and you kind of, as a shooter and you being a shooter, you, and something you do all your life, you try to take for granted that people, of course, everyone can take a picture and everyone sees what I see, but they kind of don't, you know, and, you know, you realize that, that they don't necessarily see what you see, you know, and that's, that's, I really, it's an interesting notion too, because you, you know, you just like assume that people can do the things that you do, but you've, you've, probably couldn't see or take pictures like you do to, um, t 15 years ago that like you can today, right? You mm -hmm. honed your, your eye, you know? And, uh, and so someone that's been doing something for 50 years, 60 years, they've trained their eye and it's a real thing, you know? So, and, and the thing about street photography is that you are, not only are you training your eye, you're training your reflexes, your, Tra training anticipation. There's just a lot of intrinsic and there's a lot of, uh, in, in instinctual, um, things that you are calling upon to be good at your craft. And it, then that comes from constantly exercising those muscles. And now I'd like to take the time to thank our sponsor, Lynda.com provides photographers an incredibly rich resource for learning photography. Though, though it offers some great courses on learning Photoshop and Lightroom, it's their classes dedicated to specific genres of photography, including architecture, landscape, travel, and portraiture that make it an awesome place to learn. Because face it, once you've learned how to master your camera or software, it's what you choose to photograph and how you choose to photograph it that makes you a better and better photographer. And so it's important to learn approaches and techniques specifically tailored to your particular type of photography. And that's what you'll find at lynda.com. 
These video courses are well structured and taught by some great photographers, so you'll find the courses not only informative, but fun. You can watch these and over 2,000 quality videos for free for a limited time. I've worked out a special deal with lynda.com to provide you with unlimited access to the entire library for seven days. Visit lynda.com forward slash the candid frame to use it for a week. That's lynda.com forward slash the candid frame to start your seven day free trial and help support the show. You describe making the film as sort of going through grad school. Yeah, yeah. You were sitting down with all these masters, and and I'm sure that you were being bombarded with all these different ideas, all these different approaches, um, some of them very contradictory to each other. So as you were making this film and you were continuing to go out and make your make your images, how did you find what you were absorbing and learning influencing influence what you were doing with the camera? The process of making this film is that I personally couldn't really shoot too many still pictures because I editing a film and particularly anyone that makes a documentary will say the same thing. But this is, you know, it's 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 a very lengthy process. And um, what I was really excited to do within within that project was shoot 16 millimeter. So my moving images, my, my movie camera was where I got to do street photography, but moving, you know? And, um, so that was really one of my favorite parts of this process where I got to be on the street. And then I got to be on the street with these photographers and shoot them in street scenes. So it was really exciting. And I think that, you know, it was, uh, it was fun to do with a lot of the photographers that also had made films themselves, like Bruce Davidson and, and Elliot, because I think they recognized this, um, you know, the, it's, it's hard. It's time. It's, it's, it's a kind of a pain to uh, load a 16, load my specific 16 millimeter cameras, a Bolu R, R16. And, um, it's, takes a couple minutes to load it and it's a hundred foot loads and you got to load it every three minutes. And I know when I was shooting with Bruce, he, we had a, you know, a finite period of time. And then I said, well, can we just go on the street? And I just shoot a little 16. And he said, okay. And then I said, well, how about we walk into, I was just dying to get him on the subway. So, (laughs) um, and he lives next door to a subway station. I'm like, how about we go in the subway for two seconds? And then he's like, okay. And then he, and then he just saw me like, you know, ferociously loading this camera and he's like don't worry you know I got it more time you know and then we rode one stop he's like we can ride another stop and I really believe it was because I was shooting this camera you know like I think that he had he reminisced about his own experiences <laughs> and he appreciated me go doing that you know and so um that was that was really fun for me as far as the the process of filming these guys and I mean if you want to talk about uh I thought that question was going to talk about kind of the format or how I, um, in, in the editing process of how I decided what to put in and how to form it, form it. Um, and that was, uh, was that sort of part of that question? Well, no, that's a, that's an, I'd like to hear about that. Cause you talked earlier about how, you know, young photographers want to show you a hundred pictures and, you know, you mm-hmm. tell them to get it down to, you know, five or five or three, but you're working with hours of, right, of, right. of footage and there's so much that, 
that is fantastic, but that you have to leave out to serve the film. So tell me about the challenge of doing that. Right. That's why I always say, like, what are you saying? Because that's what we had to ask ourselves continuously. What does this segment, how does this segment speak to this next segment? So we would separate things on note cards. So it would be, you know, Bruce Davidson uh, gangs, Bruce Davidson subway, danger. Like we wanted to, I didn't want it to just be like a profile, a profile, a profile. You know, it needed yeah. to be, I ha- the film initially was a short. It was a commission from a museum and it was a short and it was 35 minutes long. So in that length, you could do a profile and then a little 16 and then another profile. But then you make a film that's 90 minutes long and that doesn't hold up. You know, you have to... You have to weave things. You have to say something. It has to have an arc. So, you know, it's not a sub. It wasn't a, about, a, you know, a, a monumental event. Nothing happens, you know. So how am I going to make this flow and have peaks and valleys and engaging for this length of time? And that was really the challenge. And so, you know, we tried a million different ways. So I can tell you that this my final version is version 47. So <laughs> that tells you, you know, how many, how many times we had a, a feature length that was, for, you know, 47 times. And that's what this one came out to be. But um, we would, we tr- just, we just, it was just trial and error. And, and we would have these note cards and we'd say, oh, yeah, no, no, let's try in, in this uh, format, you know, and we'd line them up and like, no, I think that, um, after Gildan, we have to have bad boys. You know, we had these, we had these sections that were, um, that were woven, that were more topical instead of weaving the photographers together because we tried that and it was a little confusing. And I constantly had to think about, okay, if you knew nothing about photography, would this be interesting to you? If you know a lot about photography, would this be interesting to you? So I had to, I really wanted to, to be more about people. You know, like you can talk about F-stops all day long, but is that really what's important here? And I decided no. And I decided that psychology of it and and the people were more important than the F-stops. And I believe that that was the right direction to go. Um, So, you know, we just we we really thought about how this section leads to this section. Th- this guy says this, which will take us to this and just have it. You know, for me, the music was incredibly important because um, you're looking at still pictures, a lot of them, you know, and that can maybe get redundant or maybe not um, have high energy. And so it was very important to me to have music that was really reflective of, of the streets. You know, I know if you've walked on the streets in New York, if you've ridden a bicycle or rode a skateboard or, you know, been in a car, the way that sound comes in and out of your sphere, you know, you hear a little bit of salsa, then you, then a piece of someone's conversation and it travels in and out, you know? So I wanted the music to, to have as close as a, like a real visceral feeling of really walking down the streets of New York. And so sound was very important to me. And we also decided that we were going to keep the, the stills, um, totally straight. I mean, not zoom in on anything. So, you know, that was definitely a challenge in the short. We shot, uh, photographs out of books and that wasn't really the best way to do it. And 
for the feature length. And so we had, I was having a conversation with the other editor at one point and we were thinking, talking about like, when, when you go to a museum, a gallery, you don't look at a picture on a wall and bob and weave your head. You just look at the picture, you know? Mm -hmm. And so because all of the other footage was handheld, we made the the stills totally um, stationary. And a lot of the feedback from the photographers, they were really happy about that. Just respect that, respect that frame, hold that frame, look at the picture. You can do it, you know, like, and nobody has said to me that, that they felt it was slow. It was just like, you're just looking at a straight picture. And I don't know that it is picture. It is a film about photos and, but you know, it's, it's kind of rare that we see photos in films that just hold the frame, you know? So that was another consideration. So, you know, most of the things you find through trial and error and, and keep and and uh, you know constantly trying new new ways and you know it's not you know I think that's where you reach the I think that's the best practice to find out what what you really love what what is really good is you just you find out what you don't like first or you you know you like make something that doesn't work which leads which helps you make something that does work you know but it takes a long time I think if you ever want to challenge yourself Make a film. And, uh, <laughs> I have a friend of mine who's embarking on a Nina Simone documentary, and he was been in the music business for 20 years, and he showed me the teaser, and then he said, damn, and I thought the music business was rough. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. It's like the music business folded into then the film business. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. So, so what did going through all of this in order to make this film what did you learn about yourself as a result of doing everything that you had to do in order to make this thing, to make this thing happen? I think I gained, I aged 10 years in three. <laughs> uh, for one, I learned about myself. I learned, God, I'm so much smarter now. And my next film's going to be like, I just learned how to be a better business person. Certainly. I learned, which I already knew, if you want something done, do it yourself. Right. I already knew that, but making a film by yourself is really way harder. Um, you know, I did not make it by myself, but it wasn't, I didn't have that much help. Um, there was that, there was many, many months. It was, I was absolutely by myself, like five months editing by myself. Uh, that's not so healthy, but uh, I learned that, um, I mean, absolutely, totally worth it after the fact, but in the middle of it, because of the nature of what it was, and it's not like a story I made up and no one has a frame of reference for it. And there's not the pressure of, you know, okay, if I didn't make a great film, it, you know, it's only, it's only on my head. You know, I had the careers of all of these heavyweight photographers that I had to represent filmically. And I had to do it like, I've been asked, you know, are you happy? Are you happy? And I just say, I tried as hard as I could, you know, like there's, I did not, not go to the wall on everything that had to do with this film. And that's as good as it's, I, that's all I could do. And I, and I, and I did it obviously, you know, one of the biggest reasons was because I had the, out of the respect for the characters in my film and I had to represent them filmically. And a lot of these photographers 
are not represented filmically. And a lot of these photographers are in their 90s and late 80s. And and I felt that to filmically bring their careers and their work to the world was a heavy, heavy weight. And I felt that pressure. And uh, I hope that I, I did the best I could. And I and I hope I rose to the to the occasion. But uh it was it was that it was hard, you know. Yeah, I think film is is one of those one of the bravest arts to be involved with because the the work isn't completed until it has an audience. That's yeah. And you have to be so conscious of the fact that it's the audience reaction that sort of completes all of the work, um, and, and you know, and and makes it come full circle. But at the same time, at some point, you have to surrender any sort of preconceptions you have in terms of how the audience will react to it and just be true to what you believe right. is the best. Right. So was there like a certain point during this film where you were struggling with that and finally you had to say, damn it, I just got to make it the way I think is right and just go for it. And Oh, totally. I mean, you, you know, you, I have producers, I had an editing consultant, I showed it to trusted friends and people that were in the business and you know you can get a lot of opinions and everyone's going to have another opinion but nobody is you and if you you have to believe you can take other people's opinions but you can't take them to heart because because then it's not your film you know and you're and it doesn't have a point of view and so I I would rather have a real personal specific point of view. I, I confident enough in myself. I'm not, I'm not a kid, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. Um, I, uh, you know, it's, it's a practice that I personally do. So, you know, I had to trust that my, my insight and into what I wanted to say was, I had to believe in that, you know, because it's really easy to be shook up. I mean, really easy to be in the middle of a film and be like so lost and and not even know what you're doing anymore. And you cannot, you can't fall into that. And you can, but I, you know, people's uh, feedback did set me, I didn't do exactly what they said, but it made me think about something in another way. And then I, and then I took what they said and what I knew and went in another course that in one instance was really a, a great direction for me. And that was my friend Wyatt Troll, who's an incredible DP and photographer. And he and a, and a long and a, and a friend for a long time. And um, that his direction really, really helped me. But I still I didn't I didn't do exactly what he said. I, did, <laughs> I took pieces of it, you know. So another point of uh, possible concern was, OK, this is a lot of uh, people that are um, have had are older and have old, longer careers. And what about young people? What about 20 year olds? What about what's happening now? And I did explore. Um, it was difficult for me to throw a 20 year old in in the mix with all these heavy hitter guys and women. And um, so I interviewed people that could speak more for their generation as a whole, instead of handpicking like one guy or woman and saying, this person represents a, the 30 year old, you know, this mm -hmm. generation, because it, you know, she would have been, or he would have been the only one within that generation. And that was 
hard for me. But those interviews, they didn't quite work. And I decided at one point, you know what, I have time to talk to them. I don't necessarily have time to talk to 98-year-old Rebecca Lefkoff or 89-year-old Elliot, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I just, I wanted to, I really believe in the power of artists speaking speaking about their practices themselves as opposed to, you know, someone else talking about somebody else. And so I felt like this was really important for me to get on film now. And I, and I could make, you know, this is not the first film about street photography and it's not the last, you know, and I can, I can go in that direction another time. And so when I did, like you said, the audience, you know, is very interesting when you finally do get to show the film. When I did show the film, at uh, hot docs that was sort of like my first big festival and half the half the audience was 30s 20s 20 year olds and they all stayed for q a and they were incredibly interested in in these photographers and so that really made me psyched so that that the age thing and people not being interested in someone that has had you know in someone that's older or has had this length of a career proved to be wrong and that was really that was really cool for me because I personally believe in the the value and power of history and I learn a lot from history. And I think people would be better off if they paid a little more attention to history instead of thinking they know everything when they're 20 years old, you know? Um, so, uh, that was, that was something that came from the audience. And, and after showing the film, um, in multiple countries and, um, and finally getting to show it in New York in November, we had a 10, uh, 10 night, um, running at Nighthawk in Brooklyn. Um, you know, it, when I was at it, in Poland or in Toronto, you know, I would, I would say, I would try not to be like, st- uh, not so aggressively New York centric and be, and, you know, say like, Oh, it's about New York, but your town is cool too. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, you know, it's like, it's, it's about every, you know, everybody's town is great. And, and, and I truly believe that. And it's sort of, it, it, it does have a tie into why I called it everybody's street, because I believe the streets belong to everyone and everyone in any, in any town can take great street pictures, you know? And, um, but when I did got to get to show it in New York and, I looked at all my friends and it was really emotional, you know, and I, and I, and I was able to be like super, super proud to live in this town and be like, you know, it's hard to live here. And, you know, I thought about, as I looked out into everyone I thought, you know, we don't, you don't live in New York because someone makes you (laughs) or you have to, you live in, you live here because you want to, you know, and it's hard. And, and so the people in the room, you know, had to have, they were my friends and I love them and I know what they do. And, you know, I, and so I, I know, but you know, they, they, they battle it out and they live in shitty apartments because they want it. They want to make music and they want to make art and they want to design clothes and it's hard, you know, and you make sacrifices and that's what, that's what this town is about. And, and, and one of the things this town is about the, the part of this town that I love and that's, what it's about. And I was able, and I was fairly psyched to, to be able to say, yeah, I love my town and I know you love your town and here's something about our town. That's great. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend one photographer for our listeners to discover and explore on their own. And it can be anyone. 
someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. I know it's going to be a particular challenge for you to narrow you down to just one, but uh, there it is. So who would that be? Um, let's see. Jane, um, okay. This guy, James Hamilton, who I interviewed for my film and was not able to put him in because I couldn't relocate him to get the media, to get the pictures, but he has a body of work that is mind-blowing. He was a staff photographer for the Village Voice, and um, he lives on university, still does, and he has a document of images of the streets in New York, as well as all the assignments he had for the Village Voice when the Village Voice was like a phenomenal newspaper. Um, That is mind-blowing. And uh, Thurston Moore did a book of his... Um, about his musicians a couple of years ago. And uh, I mean, he's not, he's not that under the radar, but I don't think he, I think he really um, needs to, uh, I think his work is phenomenal. Oh, I look forward to checking it out. So where can people find out more about you and, and your film? Um, our website, everybodystreet.com has uh, tons of information, screenings, um, coming up, um, with, uh, we're also, we're also starting, uh, an alignment with, um, gather, which is a theatrical on demand, um, um, platform where people can, uh, if they're interested in having a theater, uh, show my film in their community or town, they can, if they get 15 friends, or there's a tipping point for each theater, if they get 15 people uh, wanting to uh, come, then the theater will put it on. So that's super exciting because for me, I, you know, I would love for people to see it big with great speakers and great projection. So all that information will also be on our site, everybodystreet.com. And it's still available for rent or purchase through Vimeo? It is a, available for download on Vimeo till the end of the month and then we might go into this theatrical for a short period of time i'm not sure this i just got off the call so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's uh um you will if all information will be on our website how to get it and also dvds and um but i would love for people to see it in the theater and um yeah and we're having a we're having a Manhattan premiere on Monday at the SVA Theater wow. with Jill Meyerowitz on a panel with Kira Pollock, who is a photography director at Time Magazine. Um, uh, I, I lament that I'm missing that. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll do more because there's a lot of people that want to get in, and I don't think we have any more seats left. So, well, that that's a good problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. It was a real pleasure to talk to you. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining us. You can show your continued support for the work we do here at TCF by making donations of any amount using PayPal. By clicking on the links in the show notes or on the website, your contributions help us to improve the show. Each episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you with the contributions of our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at the other martintaylor.com. Our theme music is by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music is available via incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is 
the candid frame.